The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. <clears throat> so, I hope you all had a beautiful morning walking and sitting and walking or sitting and walking and sitting. Uh, so we have a few minutes and I'm just going to share a few, a few words with you, a few thoughts. Um, and I want to do it sort of like uh, tell you a little bit of a, of a story, something that's a little bit more like a story. I, uh, I practiced as a monk in Burma for some time, and uh, so that, that fits into the story here. Um, <clears throat> but before, uh, before I ever started to practice, and I noticed this with people, um, not just with me, but uh, before I <clears throat> came to this practice, uh, I, uh, I had a life just like everybody else, and I went through a difficult time in my life, a really difficult, painful time. So I had a lot of uh, um, angst, a lot of suffering in my life, and that's what actually brought me to meditation, uh, because it was... Uh, in my mind, it was some way that I might be able to um, deal with the stuff I was dealing with, but more more my idea was that it would make my suffering go away, not that I was really looking for a way to deal with it. I was looking for a way to make it go away and i and so 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 I'm, I'll just sort of lay that out. And when I came to practice here in the West, I came to, not to this center, but I went to another center. It was a lay, also was run by lay people. And the, um, the experience was uh, that I was taught how to meditate. I was given meditation instructions. And the emphasis was basically... Uh, uh, on meditation, and then the practice was um, uh, very much like it is here, where we we come together and we meditate as a group, and then if it sort of takes roots, we we will, if we're more interested, we go to a retreat center, and we do you know a week retreat or a two week retreat, or pretty soon you do a month retreat or a two month retreat or a three month retreat, and. Then the next thing you know, you're thinking, well, it's time to go to Burma. <laughs> so that's what happened to me. And I, um, I uh, went off to Burma. And uh, I found myself in, a, in an, an incredible place with uh, uh, the abbot of the monastery that I went to gave me the opportunity to ordain and and live like a uh, fully ordained uh, uh, bhikkhu in a classic uh, Theravadan Burmese forest monastery. 
So I said, could I? And he said, as you desire. And I said, in that case, I desire. <laughs> so the next thing I knew, I was, um, I was a monk. And, um, and lo and behold, what did they do in the monastery? They meditated <laughs> a lot <laughs> every day. But the, the emphasis on the practice was a little bit different just because of the, the, the environment, because that's all that the monks and the nuns did. There were lay people in the monastery as well that lived there, but that's, that's all they did. They didn't have to deal necessarily, well, at least the monastics didn't have to deal with the daily life situations the way that we all have to deal with daily life situations. So, um, so back to me as a layperson, I, I, I cultivated a meditation uh, practice and a, a technique. And, um, you know, I began to notice changes in, in my own life. But <coughs> what, what I came to realize after the fact with a little bit of experience and maturity in the practice was that um, I, I was focusing a lot on technique. How do you meditate and, you know, what can you expect from this meditation and so on and so forth. And so I realized that while I was learning things, I wasn't necessarily seeing uh, that I was a person and that I had a personality and that I had a temperament and that uh, other people that were meditating with me were also people with personalities and temperaments that were unique to them, you see? And, and so we would share our stories and so on and so forth, but uh, somehow swirling in the background was our our common humanity that we weren't that I wasn't picking up on. I'm just going to talk about it in a personal way because your experience might be different. Now we're going to fast forward back to Burma where I'm living in robes and um, lo and behold, the monks and the nuns and the lay people also were people with personalities and temperaments, you see? And they also brought those personalities their temperaments and their inclinations into their practice with them. Now, one of the things that I noticed practicing as a lay person was that a lot of the intention was to, to feel better, to make myself feel better, you see? It was a little bit different in the monastery. The, the, the focus of the meditation in the monastery was I was in a particular, I was in a monastery where they were doing a particular meditation, a type of meditation. So the, um, the sort of the, the, the goal, if you were making progress, was were you attaining meditative, deep meditative states? And there were states of concentration or absorption. So, <clears throat> So 
the reason that I'm pointing this out is that there was a culture in the monastery just like there was a culture outside of the monastery. And those cultures were affecting the way that I was relating to the experience that I was having, uh, whether I was in a lay center or a monastic center. In other words, I, I, I wasn't necessarily aware that this was having an impact on, on me. I didn't see the impact of my own temperament on wanting to feel better or wanting to have a deep jhana experience. You see? So, so what I'm, I'm pointing to is that we take ourselves into our practice and we actually think we're doing the practice. You see? And so, in a way, that's, that's a very natural thing for us to think. But one of, the, one of the teachings that Gil gave me so early on, and I didn't have a clue what he was talking about, was you think you're doing the practice, but the practice is actually doing you. The practice is actually doing you. And you know, it's such a friendly idea because, you know, when I was suffering in my early years, not that I don't suffer anymore, but when I was suffering in my early years and the suffering didn't go away or it didn't change the way I wanted it to change. I held myself somehow accountable, like I wasn't like measuring up to what a good meditator should be, the results that I should be getting. Or if I didn't have some deep state of absorption, there was something wrong with me and I just needed to meditate, you know, 23 and a half hours a day instead of 18 hours a day, you see? So I didn't see that literally I couldn't, because of my natural inclinations, I literally wasn't seeing through um, my insistence to try to outthink my experience, to outrun my experience. You see, I, I, could, I couldn't see what was actually happening. I couldn't see my wanting or not wanting or not knowing whether I was wanting or not. I, I wasn't seeing that, you see. <laughs> and so it, it, it began to mature and it dawned on me that there's a difference between what I'm thinking or the content of what I'm thinking or feeling and the actual dynamic process of thinking, the, the process of life, you see? So I wasn't seeing how the mind actually worked. I was only looking at the content of what was filling my mind and my experience. So I couldn't really see what the Buddha was pointing to. <coughs> until I practiced enough, until I, I just 
didn't give up. I just kept coming back, starting over and over and over again. And um, when we get caught in the content of our life, whether it's life in the monastery or life in the in daily life in the world, when we get caught in the content, this is where we get hooked. You see? This is where we get hooked. And everybody gets hooked in that way. It's not just me, and it's not just you. Everybody gets hooked in that way. Um, and that's the people, the personality, and the temperament. We get, that's, that's kind of like, we, we have this momentum that just propels us to do the same thing over and over and over again. But when you begin to quiet down, when you begin to discipline the mind, when you begin to take these teachings to heart, transformation begins to occur. It's a slow process. It doesn't happen overnight. Most of us want like quick results, but it really doesn't happen overnight. So, um, so this hour-long talk, <laughs> I have to wrap it up here in a minute. <clears throat> I I, <clears throat> I want to say that um, when, when we begin to see how much suffering we create for ourselves by replaying our thoughts and our emotions, thinking that if we just do it better, if we just think more clearly, if we just push, 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 that, that we're going to come to some solution. And basically what we do is, a lot of us, is we wear ourselves out. We finally become exhausted so that we sort of give up. And then we accept that things are unfolding in a very natural way. And we begin to learn to be with things as they truly are. And when that happens, there's a quality of allowing. When that allowing begins to take hold and we sense it, we become just ever so slightly aware that things are shifting, they're transforming, they're changing. We feel more resilient. We feel um, as though... uh, when we're disturbed, we, we come back to balance much more quickly. And we come to realize that, you know, uh, uh, the insights that we have are not our insights. They're just insights, you see. When we touch qualities like loving kindness and compassion, they're not our compassion. They're just compassion. We have just touched compassion. See, this is what this is what it's really all about. The practice does us, and it doesn't always do us the way that we expect it to. So, when we're pushing against the way things are, 
you know, we're bound to feel contracted. But when we allow things to be as they are, then there's space for us to be in relationship to it that allows us to have some level of equanimity. And maybe the outward story and circumstances doesn't change overnight, but our relationship to it changes, and it, makes, it gives us a place to breathe. And the bottom line is it allows us to be a friend to ourselves. It allows us to treat ourselves with a kind of kindness and friendliness that does um, lead to transformation. So be a good friend to yourself. Continue meditating. <clears throat> Continue to train your mind. Do the, do the things that the teachers offer and and, and give us. It really makes a difference if you pay attention to the precepts and you live with integrity. All of those things take time. They take time to grow and develop. But as you do that, things do begin to change. And most of all, you, you learn to be a friend to yourself. So may you all um, be your own best friends and then share that friendliness with one another in the world. Thank you.